Welcome to Made in Africa. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Made in Africa podcast. It's been a few weeks since we were last here and I hope that you all enjoyed yourselves over the Christmas period. A happy new year to everyone out there and best wishes for 2022. Now the start of the African Nations Cup is just days away and the excitement is really starting to build. We are delighted that the excellent Beleli Mayandu and Usha Kumugisha are going to be joining us later to help preview the tournament. Who are the players and teams to look out for in Cameroon? And can anyone stop Algeria and Senegal from reaching the final again? All right, but first it's time to welcome my co-host Roman Osman. How was your Christmas, mate? Good to see you back. Hi, my Christmas. All right. Um, nothing spectacular. I ordered a bit of Chinese with my mate. We stayed home and just watching movies and all that. That's <laughs> what it's all really. about. Oh, yeah. A bit, bit of Die Hard, maybe, in the evening? Yeah, yeah. Then there was all the issue of a, a game being cancelled between Tottenham and Palace. And yeah. you just jumped back into work, didn't you? Yeah, I saw you were busy actually on that day. Yeah, I, I, I tried to stay away. I was really tempted to get involved, but I thought I'd just uh, have a day off and see see how it unfolded. Um, yeah, we were we were at Palace on Saturday. We saw a really good game actually, didn't we? That West Ham just about held on after a late fight back from from Palace. There, there was no Zahar or Checo Coyote either. Palace, so uh, understand they were isolating. Uh, what's the latest on them? And do you think they're going to be travelling to Afcon? Yeah, no, surely. I'm sure both of them will be uh, the AFCON later this week. But the problem is that, like you rightfully said, they are isolated. So they can only travel uh, after they've tested negative and gone through the isolation period. But definitely they will be going to the African Cup of Nations. I'm told that both are very, I mean, excited about it. And who wouldn't be? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it should be really good. And um just a bit more on the Premier League before we uh, before we concentrate on Afcon. It was it was a really really interesting game uh, at the weekend between Chelsea and Liverpool. It didn't really end that well for either of them in the end because obviously they both lost a bit of ground to Man City and uh, you know quite a few points behind. Um, but it was really good for African players, wasn't it? Sadio Mane and, and Mohamed Salah both scored, and Edouard Mendy was in spectacular form. And uh, we there was there was I like the picture of him. And Sadio Mane, like just a few hours later, they were on a together on this private plane off to go and meet up with the Senegal squad. Um, but just those three in particular, and you know, plenty of others, they're, they're all going to be really missed by their clubs, aren't they? Yeah, no, surely. Um, and the game amplified or uh, underlined why African players are such a key part of the Premier League. I mean, the key moments of the game could could be argued were defined by African players, like you said, um, Sadio and Salah scoring for Liverpool. And at that point, he began to fear for Chelsea. And then the big response also came from Chelsea, Kovacic and then Pulisic. But for me, it was it was just breathtaking to see that Edward Mendy came back into form, made some really good saves. He, he looked very confident. He looked very ready for the big game. And that's kind of just defined why he's such a big part of... Chelsea and and where they want to go at this point. Such a big loss to them. And I can genuinely understand why they are frustrated. I mean, if you're losing a very big part of your team, a pillar of your your defense, and 
mm-hmm. game-defining goalkeeper, you're not going to be showing your teeth and say, oh, yeah, I'm happy for you to go to the Africa Cup of Nations. Obviously, you're not. But mm-hmm. it's got to be. It's passion. Every Not many people get to save their nation and their countries. And so if, if, if you're an athlete and it's only just for a short period of time, you'd always want to be there for your country, wouldn't you? Of course, yeah. And, and uh, Riyad Mahrez uh, scored in his last four games for City and he's their top scorer. Yeah. I mean, he's the only African player in the City squad. Um, but do you think he's probably, I saw an article that he is actually the player that's going to be missed the most, which is quite controversial when you've got Salah obviously in the mix as well there. But is there anybody else yeah, no, who, who might, be, might be missed as much as those two? Yeah, Maxwell Corner. I mean, Burnley. Yeah. Burnley are fighting relegation at the moment, and Maxwell is calling for go- for fun at the moment. He just came back mm-hmm. from injury over the weekend. I came against Leeds United, and he was the one who got the score. I kind of feel that a lot of people are wired not to think that Burnley will go down, but I mean, if you look at the impact Maxwell has had on them, yeah. and he's just only coming back from injury, and he has to leave for the African Cup of Nations, that would be a really huge miss for them, and then. We can talk about all that's happened at Watford and Emmanuel Dennis and then Ismail Lassar and all the controversies. And again, playing the devil's advocate, I can understand why Watford, because obviously if you take away the goals of Emmanuel Dennis, Watford will be bottom of the, uh, the, the league and will be looking straight at going back to the championship. They obviously want to give this fight. And so that's why they are holding on and trying everything possible to be able to hold on. I get the club versus country debate, but clubs should also understand that the passion of Africans in football bends as much as any other thing. If you've ever been to Africa before, you'd see that our passion is the same, like it's all, or maybe more than even other parts of the world, because when there's small space, all we need need to do is put two stones that would act like posts. And if we are four friends, we play two, two against each other, sometimes in the middle of the highway, sometimes behind our houses and behind our homes. So football is a burning desire. And most of these players will not play on the green pitches in Stamford Bridge and Vicarage Road and all the Easterns. They never, ever forget how it began for them. And going back to the African Cup of Nations is just a real take-me-back-home to where my whole career began. So that's why players and people of Africa are always pushing to go and play these competitions. Yeah, of course. And and just on Saar, um, at the moment, Watford uh, say that he's not fit, basically, to, to link up with Senegal. And I think Senegal are hopeful that he could actually play maybe in the later stages of the of the tournament. I'll just read the, the, the Watford statement. He said, uh, they said, within the, the, the past 10 days, the club has reiterated to the Senegal Football Federation that the player's current medical status and recovery schedule uh, the Hornets have also invited the Senegal Football Federation to instruct their own independent surgeon to confirm the diagnosis and rehabilitation period. So we will have to see what happens with that. So it's going to be a, a real miss if they if they don't have him there. Yeah, no, big miss. I mean, for me, I think he's easily one of the most talented players in the Premier League. And again, I, I understand why Senegal will want to have him, even if it's just for two games, because... Senegal, I, I can't see past Senegal at this particular tournament because they've got such good mix of experience, world-class players and hungry players and players who can play multiple positions. But if you just have Ismail Assar on one wing and Sadio Mane on the other wing, your chances of winning a football match 
doubles immediately because he's part of it. And so normally, even with one leg, you'd want to put him up there on the pitch. But it's such a developing issue. I think that in the end, both will come to a compromise where Watford would allow Sar to go and be examined by the medical team in Senegal. And if there's a chance that he could play in the last stages, they'll take that chance. Okay, let's look ahead to the African Nations Cup now. And it's about time to introduce our two very special guests. First up is Usha Kumbugisha, who is a sports analyst and sports journalist from Uganda, who has worked for the BBC and Al Jazeera, among others. Hi, Usha. It's lovely to have you here. How are you? Thank you very much, Ed, for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk African football. Definitely. And you're in Kigali at the moment in Rwanda, where you, you said you watched Guinea uh, warm up for Af- AFCON last night in it, with, with a 3-0 loss. Yes, um, this is where I am. And Guinea are, um, you know, camping here for their pre-AFCON um, training um, session. Uh, Senegal should have been here. But as you know, um, players across Europe were not going to be released until yesterday. So they had to cancel their trip to Kigali. Otherwise, they could have played a game against Guinea and Rwanda. Okay, right. That's interesting. And it's good to have you are, uh, you know, uh, on site and ready to give us some, some updates. That's really cool. And and also our second guest, it's uh, an absolute pleasure to be joined uh, by, by one of my old friends uh, from, from my days in South Africa, uh, Vileli Miandu. Vileli is a multiple award-winning sports journalist who's worked for the SABC and uh, is also the chairperson of the South African Football Journalists Association and a real AFCON veteran as well. H- how many AFCONs have you been to, Vileli? Uh, <laughs> I've done six AFCONs. Okay, okay, that's pretty good, pretty good. And and this is going to be yeah, your seventh yeah. then? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure Asha has been to, to more than me. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how many have you been to, Usha? No, at, listen, this is going to be my third. But obviously <laughs> on the television, about 10, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Asha leaves for African competitions, doesn't she? <laughs> Well, I think I think yeah. Vanelli takes it as the uh, as the veteran on this. Um, but before we start, both of you, sorry to do this at the start, but let, let, we have to we have to mention this at the start. Your respective nations have not made it to Cameroon, so explain what happened, please. Start with you, Usha. <laughs> I was hoping we don't go this direction. Wow. <laughs> Well, um, look, going into the qualifiers for this AFCON, um, I felt that Uganda were on a good roll. We had qualified back-to-back um, Africa Cup of Nations. And honestly, my generation um, had never watched Uganda play at the AFCON until 2017. Um, just to give a lot of people context, the last time we had made it to the AFCON was in 1978. Mm. And more than 80% of the population in Uganda was not born at the time. Uh, and I remember how you know emotional it was for us to uh, play that opening game against Ghana, who coincidentally were the last team we played in 1978 in that final in Accra. And um, just you know to experience that, like to feel and and sing the national anthem, it was very emotional. And we felt that you know we're on the right track. But then we we you know played around with the qualifiers. To be honest, um, we should have at least won all our home games. Um, but nonetheless, we had Burkina Faso in our group. Um, they're always a, a you know tough nut to crack. Yeah. Um, played out 
two goalless draws. Um, and then honestly, we should have beaten South Sudan because come on, who is South Sudan in football? Come on, they're newcomers, they're newbies. Um, but we played um, the game against them in Kenya, which was their away game. They, they had issues with their stadium in Juba. And guess what? The player who scored the goal, Tito Okello, was actually born in Uganda and was oh, eligible to play for the Uganda Cranes. And he scored against us. And that game, to be honest, is the reason we didn't go to, um, you know, the Africa Cup of Nations in yeah. Cameroon. And finally, we failed to beat um, Malawi, or at least draw against Malawi in, uh, in you know, at, at away from home. And that's where our problems, you know, um, <laughs> were sealed. So immediately after that game, the retirement of Dennis Onyango, who was um, obviously the captain and also the most, you know, uh, the best player for the team, really, especially in the last six years. Um, very big disappointment. Um, so, yeah, it's been downhill from them. Yeah, it's a shame because, no, I know you had some rich, some great years. I remember watching, uh, I think, uh, was it an opening match of uh, of uh, the last AFCON against Egypt? And it was a, it was a, a decent yeah. game. Um, yeah. And I know, yeah, Uganda, Uganda's football was heading in the right direction. I'm sure that, that you'll be back at the next one. And uh, Benelli, South Africa. I, I know this team, well, I used to know this team pretty well, but what's what's going on? Not in the top 25, 24 teams in, in Africa. Yeah, Ish, you know, I have to say, this one was... Uh, for us, uh, hugely disappointing. Um, it was hugely disappointing that um, we couldn't uh, clinch um, the issue of um, qualifying for, for, for this tournament. And if you look at uh, how things went for us, um, we opened with that loss in Cape Coast uh, to Ghana 2-0 there. Um, but then again, uh, midway the tournament, we, we recovered because at some stage, um, we were leading the group. Um, but I think the disappointment of going to Sudan and um, failing to not even to score against Sudan, because um, for, for us, we could have made things easier um, by at least getting a point um, in Sudan. And we had no business, especially for a team uh, that came from being in the top eight in the previous competition and to not making a 24-team up court. Now, that's a huge disappointment, you know, and, and, and also, especially when you look at the group of players that we also had, um, we're talking about players who are coming back from the Olympics, um, who are building a new team. In fact, I think this one was even before then, uh, because if now you look at the team that we had in this um, World Cup qualifiers in the second round, it was a youthful team and which performed better than the team that failed to qualify uh, for, for the AFCON, you know. So I think for me, it was just, just plainly disappointing. Um, and we shouldn't be in this position. Uh, and, and, and I'm basing this on the fact that if you look in the previous competition um, in, in, in Cairo, in, in, in Egypt, uh, in 2019, out of um, all the leagues, the French leagues were leading, I think with eight, eight players. And the Sarkin, uh, professional leagues, the Premier Division and the National First Division, I think they had about 46, 47 players in total. Now, that tells you that in terms of the stature of that local league, even now, um, I think the Southern Premier Soccer League and the, uh, the First Division, they've got about 17 players. And then the closest um, league on the continent, I think is the Botola Pro League, 
with eight players, even when Sarka is not there. So it tells you that this is a footballing nation that should be um, mm. at, the, at the Afcon tournament because yeah. it's carrying the light for the local leagues. So mm. yeah, I mean so everything. Yeah, every, everything yeah, should us, be yeah. Like you say, everything should be in place for South Africa to to be there and it's yeah you know i think there's a lot of people will will be very surprised when they look down the list of countries and see that they're not there but anyway so at least you two it gives us you you can be really unbiased and and give us your 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 reflections on the other teams and sit back it's a bit like a i remember well way back when england didn't qualify for USA 1994 it was one of my favorite world cups in the end i suppose because you could just support whoever you wanted and you know, just go go along for the ride. You didn't have to follow one particular team. Okay, so um, let's start with Group A then. And just to remind everybody, um, it's, there's six groups of four. Um, the top two teams in each group go through, along with the four, the best four third-placed teams uh, who get through to the last 16. And in Group A, Usha then, it's Cameroon, Burkina Faso, Cape Verde, and Ethiopia. Who do you fancy in that? Obviously, Cameroon as hosts have to be strong favourites. Well, look, first of all, um, Cameroon are at home. They are an African football powerhouse. And uh, I know for sure because last year around this time, um, I was there for uh, the CHAN, the African Nations Championship, you know, the one which is organised for the locally best players. And the crowd, you know, the pressure that they put on the players, the media, um, social media itself, it's intense. And that sort of pressure um, actually helps the players perform. It motivates them. Uh, But more than ever also, it's very important for us to, to uh, note that Cameroon are unbeaten in Yaounde in over three decades. Mm. They've not lost a game at home in Yaounde. Um, they may not be playing at the Ahmad Wahijo Stadium. They're going to be playing at the Olembe Stadium. Uh, but that in itself, you know, is enough to show you that uh, um, this is going to be uh, a, a very big one for them. And then secondly, um, you know, the Samuel Eto factor. You know, he was recently elected as a federation president. He understands what it takes for a player um, to be representing his nation at that stage. So he's going to do everything to make sure the players are motivated and that they're in a good space, you know, to actually go out there and perform. And also, I remember um, in uh, 2017, um, when, you know, they got all these legends, you know, Roger Miller. Imagine you have Roger Miller in your dressing room talking to you and telling you, um, you can do this. I think that for me, that's a very uh, big ambassadorial role and uh, very important for the Indomitable Lions. Um, And also, obviously, when you look at uh, the team itself, they don't have big star players, you know, like Rigo Batsong or Jeremy Njita for Patrick Mboma, but um, they have players that, uh, you know, can deliver at that stage. You know, uh, if you remember Christian Basogog from the 2017 edition, he's now a bench player. Um, and yet he is a good player, you know, who can uh, contribute to their um, offense, especially. And Vicente Abubakar, obviously, the return of Clinton and GA. I think all those are factors that are going to give Cameroon the, the X factor um, when it comes to uh, that group. But then, remember, Burkina Faso. Mm. They're very stubborn team. Uh, they have great talent. And obviously, with players like uh, Bet 
Tra Traore, who's by the way at 26 going to play his fourth AFCON, um, is a very stubborn team. I say that uh, because when you look at their defensive record uh, in the qualifiers, obviously they were in the same group with Uganda, um, they only conceded twice in the entire qualification uh, process. And that's just a joint second with Senegal. Um, the best team being Morocco only conceded once, and that's in a period of over six games. So that should tell you about, um, you know, how they stand and how well they communicate as a team. And that anyone who is, <laughs> you know, um, not respecting them is doing so at their own peril. Um, in 2017, they opened uh, Group A. Uh, their first game was against Cameroon and it, is, it was a one-all draw in Gabon. Um, so I think that uh, that's a team that Cameroon knows that they fear and that um, it's going to be very tough for them. Again, looking at that group, Ethiopia, first team to arrive in Cameroon. So obviously they're familiar with, um, you know, the weather, the food and everything um, around the tournament. Um, they're also returning for the first time since 2013. There's a lot of um, good vibes around the team. Uh, most of their players play at home, so they know each other. So that team chemistry will be uh, very important for Ethiopia. And then you have Cape Verde. Cape Verde are very stubborn. <laughs> they have um, some players in, you know, some of the lower leagues in Europe um, who have, you know, they enjoy coming into games as the underdogs. So that can be very tough for um, a team like that. So Group A is going to be very intense. Um, and I think anything, absolutely anything can happen. But I think that at the end of the day, Cameroon and Burkina Faso will definitely finish as the top two best teams in Group A. And then Ethiopia and Cape Verde can fight it out. Is there a bit of mystery about Ethiopia because most of the players play within their country? Uh, you know, and we don't really see them that much. I suppose we see them in African club competition a bit, but, you know, are they a bit of an unknown factor? They, they have um, some players, you know, who've been doing a great job at home, you know, playing for Ethiopian Coffee and St. George, who are giants um, in the Ethiopian League. Uh, but that's the thing about them. You know, for them, it's about the fighting spirit. And really in the qualifiers, they were uh, very lucky, you know, to have the home support. But can they reproduce uh, such performances when they're away from home, when they don't have um, tens of thousands of fans, you know, cheerleading for them? Um, whether they can do that is, you know, it remains to be seen. Uh, but I also think that uh, they may suffer from um, size because when you have East African players playing against West Africans and in this case, Central Africans in the form of Cameroon, um, those are very strong opponents uh, physically and that could be a disadvantage for Ethiopia. Mm, that's interesting, yeah, yeah. Because there's not a lot of uh, East African teams haven't done particularly well in qualifying this time. I've been, it, there was a sort of trend where a few more were doing doing a bit better, but this time, not so many have have qualified. Yeah, not so many. I mean, last time in Egypt, you know, you had Tanzania qualifying for the first time since 1980. Mm. Um, you, you had Kenya also doing well. Uganda was there. Um, so you felt like, you know, there was a good vibe. But this time, you know, it's just been very sad, you know, that uh, East African teams went back to factory settings and not really doing their homework when it comes to playing in the AFCON qualifiers. And it's sad because you have 24 teams on the continent. Like, literally, that's almost half the continent is going to play at the African Cup of Nations. And we don't really have an East African side, even though you want to say that Ethiopia and Sudan are from Eastern Africa. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and it's... 
it's it is a shame, but I'm sure that these things work in cycles, and that hopefully, you know, the next one there can be a bit more representation. Um, okay, let's move on to Group B then. And Vereli, this is this is for you. Um, Senegal, who is you know one of the big favourites for the tournament, um, but having never won the, not won it before, and then Zimbabwe, Guinea, and Malawi. What do you think in that group? Do you think that obviously Senegal are big favourites to get through the group? But who do you think is going to join them in the next round? Yeah, I know. I think when it comes to that one, it's, uh, it's also very interesting because uh, I'm sure Raman and uh, also Asha will, rem- will remember what happened in, um, in, in, in Egypt four years ago. Um, there were these countries that um, were favourites uh, to go through and we couldn't see them. Uh, in, in the next stage. Uh, how can you forget um, the exploits of uh, Madagascar, you know? And they totally changed the script. And, and so in that case, when you look at um, these teams uh, coming from uh, Group B, uh, Malawi, Senegal, Zimbabwe, and Guinea, um, on paper, you want to say Senegal and Guinea will go through. Um, more especially when you look at um, the, the Senegalese um, squad, I mean, the Taranga Lions, um, we saw how they were sweeping through the tournament uh, in Egypt um, until they met their match in the final uh, in the form of uh, Algeria. Um, the two teams that had unbeaten and, and had been unbeaten going to um, the final, and um, obviously one had to break down. And when when we look at um, this Senegalese team, um, I think for me they are seriously a well-oiled machine. Taking nothing away from Algeria, I know they are on this. Um, long unbeaten 33 game unbeaten streak, um, but I, there's there's just something um, when it comes to a tournament like this. It's also go it goes down to the final details, goes down to the final details of who wants it more, and 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 I think if you look at the story uh, of this Megalis team right from the early 2000s, um, how the current coach Alio Sisse was one of those who missed the penalty losing. Um, to Samuel Eto'o's um, indomitable lions um, back then. And now um, they are coming to Cameroon um, to possibly claim what um, should have been theirs um, even, even, even two years ago. So uh, when you look at, just look at the attack, um, this uh, Senegalese team has of Keita Balde, Sadio Mane, you look at, um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like uh, they will have uh, Ismail Sa uh, for obvious reasons and what has been happening um, at Watford. Um, so, because I think Watford has just decided that they're going to snap the AFCON and they are going to make sure that they annoy all the country. Because now the latest I heard was that they're trying to um, also, I think this the Algerian players that they're trying to stop from uh, honoring their, 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 their clubs as well. Uh, so, which that one for me is going to be to be very interesting. So, I think Alio say um, for me, he would he will look at this year's Afcon. Um, when you look at the quality that of players that is got, the likes of Kalido Kulibali, uh, Idris Agwe, the, the the vice captain, and Chico Coeta as well. Uh, these are the players um, for me. Some of them, this could be their last. Uh, Afcon at that level, you know, um, so they would definitely want uh, to make their mark because um, 
in, on the African continent, you don't get a lot of opportunities. You know, you only get an opportunity once uh, to be in the final again and win it. Because if you don't win it the next time, there's a generation of players that is gone. You understand what I mean? I think with Senegal, yes, yes. Senegal, I think it's, yeah, like you say, it's been building, building, building under the same coach. And I mean, he's so respected over there. He's a really interesting topic, actually. But uh, I know that in the last couple of years, there's even been some people saying, you know, maybe it's time to look some elsewhere for a different coach, a different voice, maybe for these players, because, you know, you only have a limited number of chances. But it would be great, I think, if he could, you know, if, if he could end it or, you know, finally lead them to, to this trophy because it's what they've been working for for so long. Yeah, but also I think another good thing is that uh, for me, he's one of the longest serving coaches um, coming to this tournament um, on, on, on the continent. Um, Aliosi say yes, you would say uh, people when he came on board, they said no, he doesn't have the experience uh, because previously he had only coached the Senegalese uh, under 23 team. Uh, but also one thing that people forget is that the majority of the players that he's been working with since he came on board are players that he was also coaching in the under-23 setup. And he had been part of the structures. And I think if he was not good enough, they wouldn't have given him this six-year, now to be six years, six, seven-year period that he's been on board. And, and I think also, because at times when you work with the players who are playing for big clubs like Liverpool, Chelsea, Napoli, uh, in big leagues, because Senegal is one of um, one of few countries on the continent that has got most of their players coming from the top five um, in, in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so when you look at at that, there's also issues of egos as well. There are players who are not playing that that you'll you'll have to manage, and they always produce results. Um, I mean, I know that people are saying in, we didn't have an African team in the second round in the World Cup. In, in team. If you look at the team that was closest in terms of qualifying to the next stage until that uh, tough and tricky game that they had in the last group game against Colombia. It, it was it was Senegal. And it's not every day that we talk about a player who led his uh, country as a captain and now is also leading his team as a coach. I know that he wants to emulate the what uh, the likes of uh, Stephen Keshi, the late um, um, uh, yeah, uh, Stephen Keshi did in uh, in 2013 in South Africa, but I, I think for me, um, Ali Osise, I put him uh, up there, um, in the same with the, the likes of uh, Jamel Belmadi as well. And I'm not surprised that uh, Ali Osise, Peter Mosimane, um, and I think at some stage it was also, um, a Florent Ibenge that. They were the first ones to go for the CAF Pro license, which has just been introduced. Mm -hmm. So I think Senegal, for me, they remain the tournament favorites. Um, and, on, and also, um, this, this, this Guinea team as well, um, you always expected them to come through and do something special. Uh, at times, I felt, I felt that Guinea also had a bit of uh, over-reliance um, on, 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 on Nabicata as, as well. Um, we we have not seen them um, turning on the magic when it matters most. Uh, this Guinea team and 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 also it's another team that is 
um, led by a former international in, in Kabadiawara scoring against us in the Tudor um in Egypt um, at the time. And, and, and we're knocked out of, of... It's also good to see these ex-players uh, making their mark. But also, they've got to do something special and go on and... I would love to see Guinea in the last eight, which is something that they are yet to um, to, to 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 achieve. Now that we're in the expanded um, Afcon tournament, because previously it was easy to to make the last eight, you know, mm-hmm. because it was just a sixteen-team tournament. But now yeah. you've got to go beyond the the, uh, the 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 second round, which is slightly it's it's a bit easier to achieve because even as a one of the four uh, third. Uh, teams you can you can you can still go through so the, the the only team i'm worried about and i because this is a team for me uh, that i'm close to because most of their players are, i've been covering them and we've seen zimbabwe from struggling to qualify for the afcon uh, because their last appearance at the afcon was in 2006 um, in egypt and after that uh, after uh, after that, they, they struggled to qualify until in 2017. Then they were the 2017 uh, in Gabon. They were again in um, in Egypt uh, two years ago, and again now they they've, they've qualified. But this is a golden generation of players that they had, and that generation is now um, slowly phasing away. Mm. Uh, and this is a generation of players that has been able to perform at the highest level and achieve these good results. Um, despite um, the disappointing and below par performance of the administrators. And, and it's said that uh, even today we are talking about um, one of their star players uh, in Kama Billiard not being part of the team, not because he's injured uh, or any other thing, but just because he's decided that he wants to retire. And the latest that I've heard is that. Yeah, he's a top player. Yeah. I remember him from my time in South Africa. And, and also there's a. Marvelous Nakambo is not going to be there, the Aston Villa midfielder, which is a real shame. Yes. But it... Marvelous Nakamba is not there. Marshall Munetzi, uh, you remember him in Messi's first game um, yeah. in the French Ligue. Um, Marshall Munetzi marked him out of the game, you know. So it's disappointing that um, a player of that caliber um, is not part um, of, of this tournament. So it's, it's, it's disappointing because also on paper, when you look at um, this. Zimbabwean squad, very exciting team. Um, previously, they struggled. If you remember their first Afcon, um, after this long absence in in, in Gabon, they had, they had this great game. They played against uh, Algeria there, but you could see that they were. I remember they took about eight strikers to the tournament, so they were struggling defensively. But they've got they had a lot of uh, firepower. Uh, but now also, I mean, they still have uh, some good players. Also, Tino Kadewere, he plays for Olympic Lyon. Um, I expect him to to come out firing, and I think the captain, uh, Knowledge Musona, um, as well, is also had some good performance recently uh, in in Saudi. So I expect Zimbabwe from this tournament, uh, from this group, to give Guinea a run for their money. I'm prepared to put my head on the block and say Senegal uh, will qualify together with Zimbabwe from this group, taking nothing away from Malawi. Um, I just don't think that they will be able uh, to cut it out here. And and I think another disappointment was um, the omission of Gerald Perry Jr., uh, who's just recently moved to Al-Hilal in Sudan 
after leaving uh, Baroka FC. Um, so I was just disappointed um, that he was not included um, in, 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 the, in the final squad. But I also think uh, taking an, an immediate decision to retire from the national team after that omission maybe was a bit premature. But it also tells you about uh, all the challenges um, we're talking about. And I know I'm saying all these things, trying to strictly focus on what is happening um, between the four lines on the pitch uh, in the case of Zimbabwe and they're not dwelling much on what FIFA could decide um, in the yeah. next 24 hours or so. Yeah, that's, that is another story. It's something we might have to get into in the future. I Personally, I'd love to see Zimbabwe well. You mentioned Knowledge Masona, a player that I used to love when I lived in South Africa. He used to go to the same gym as me as well in Cresta. So uh, I used to really <laughs> follow him closely. It was a shame that he never really quite made it in, in Europe, but still was an absolute gold machine wherever, wherever he's been, really. Um, so good luck to them. All right, then, on to Group C. And for obvious reasons, uh, we've saved this one for Rahman. Um, so Ghana are in there with Morocco, Gabon and Comoros, who are in the AFCON for the first time. So tell us all about them, please, Rahman. Yeah, this is a really interesting group, I should say, and for obvious reasons, Ghana, but equally for teams like Morocco and Comoros and even the great Panthers of Gabon. But let's look at Ghana. Um, so Ghana's won it four times and we're going to try as much as possible to go for the five times this time around. But this is the very first time in my lifetime that we are going into the Africa Cup of Nations and expectations within Ghanaians, it's very low. I mean, if we win it, it's a massive plus to our Serbian coach, but we get a feeling that there's something missing in our team. It might be as a result of the several disappointments we've had down the years in 2015, where in the final we lost to the to the Ivory Coast on penalties. I think before that, earlier also in 2010, we were in the final again. I think we lost to Egypt. It was a middle who came in as a substitute and broke the hearts of almost 24 million people in Ghana. And then I hear in 92 also, a Betty Pele's team also went to the final and they didn't listen. Now, incredibly enough, a Betty Pele's son has grown up, become a footballer. And he's going to be the captain of our team going into this particular AFCON. And he's driven and he's ambitious. And the last time and only time in the history of African football that an African country had won the FIFA Under-20 World Cup, this Abedi Pele son called Abedi, uh, called Andre Ayu, was a captain of that Under-20 side back in 2009. They dribbled everyone and were a delight to watch and they won the FIFA under 20. So those including are... us, eh? I remember I remember I remember how you beat us um, I think it was in the last 16 in the tournament. Exactly. And and, and oh, you, you and... went on to 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 win the tournament in Egypt. Yes. In and, in and Egypt. Before you talk about winning it in Egypt, uh you first won the, the Afghan under 20 here in Kigali. And I remember yes. that yes. exactly Exactly. So there are a lot of good humans coming in. And if we beat South Africa to win the FIFA under 20, we've beaten South Africa to qualify for the World Cup. We've beaten South Africa to qualify for the Africa. Okay. 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 And here we go. And I've got to say, having, having played you twice in, in the space of 18 months, 
I don't Let's think not talk about true. guys. Don't bring up the penalty, please. Don't bring and, up the penalty. And 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 to go on, if you want to to hold on more moments as we speak, um, Ushakumigashi is in Kigali, where Ghana also won the major under twenty World Cup on route to winning that particular FIFA under twenty. So so many small small subplots that could eventually come together and make a good head in Cameroon. But having said so, also. It's Morocco. I'm really intrigued to see what their very disciplined head coach will be able to get out of their team. Coming into this competition, you would agree with me that there's been some big calls from um, Valid, who's decided to drop Chelsea star, um, who, who joined from Ajax. And he's, to be honest, I, this really shocked me when I heard ZH was not going to be part of the Africa Cup population. But they've got some really good players also who will have a point to. To prove key among them is PSG star, and for me, the best right back now in Europe, if you ask me. And he's he's amazing, and he's strong, and his his performance at club level is just the same at national level. And somebody might who am I speaking about? And it's Hashraf Hakimi. He's he's going to be the big man leading in this one. Obviously, it's captained by um, over 100 defender Romain Saiz, but you'd obviously think that the wizardry and the skillfulness of somebody like CH would have been really, really key to their progress going forward. But saying so, it's not the best players that win you a major tournament. It's the best team. And if you feel that there's somebody who is always dragging the team back or there's disciplinary issue, as a manager, it's up to you to do it. So this is kind of going to be really, really interesting. I'll have to add that Morocco have won the competition once in history, and that was in 1976. So they really do know what it means to win the Africa Cup of Nations. And the most exciting member of that group, I need to really go in there. Ed, I know you want to say something. Yeah, I was I just really going to say, I really, I think, I think Morocco, I don't know if they're, you can say they're dark horses, but just because they're, you know, whether they're probably one of the favourites, I know, but I think they've got a decent chance um, of, of getting, well, not just getting through, but, you know, doing pretty well and getting going quite far in the tournament. Yeah, in, in Africa, we see that. Yeah, talking about um, Morocco, I know you, you know, you're going all the way to, you know, the usual faces, Ashraf, Haki, Ashraf Hakimi and uh, Ziyech not making it. Mm. Um, but you have to remember that uh, just a year ago, Morocco won the Chan in Cameroon. And so they they have a couple of players, about six of them that are that were part of that squad. Um, Sofian Rahimi, who was the player of the tournament. You also have Ayub El Kabi, um, who's been incredible um, and leading Morocco to two, uh, you know, back-to-back Chan uh, titles and now finding his feet on the senior A team. Um, I think that's going to play a huge role. And obviously, <laughs> Velil and I, um, you know, have spent perhaps uh, the last few hours talking about how Morocco have decided to literally fly in every um, equipment or, you know, thing that they can use for the tournament um, into Cameroon, Um, getting in their own water, uh, flying in their own chef and food, uh, just to make sure that uh, they have exactly what they need uh, for the tournament and no excuses whatsoever for the players. So it's going to be very interesting, you know, to, to see how they eventually perform on the pitch. Yeah, no, interesting. Um, and I've, yeah, that's that's such a really key point. And that was accentuated in the point that sometimes in the absence of certain really big names, that gives an opportunity for unknown names or players who play 
maybe not maybe in the top five leagues in Europe, but some of the really minor leagues to take up and make a big point for themselves. And that brings me yeah. to the country I really want to look at because that country really excites me. Comoros, first time ever at the Africa Cup of Nations. And as, as, as we're having this conversation, and which excites me, and you should see me smiling because the big nations like South Africa and Uganda, and to an extent, wow. even Zambia are not in this competition. And, and, and Congo, by the way, the Democratic And Congo. And yeah. Congo. Very big. It's in number 12 on the continent currently. Exactly. Haven't made it because of countries like Comoros. It is as a result of the performance of countries like Comoros. And if you read so much about Comoros, you'll be excited by what they've done. And, 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 and you, know, you, know, you, know, you, know, you know who Comoros um, qualified ahead of? Eh? Ahead of Kenya. Yeah, and yeah. Kenya and Togo were in their group, weren't they? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> it, it's such a big story that reflects on the David and Goliath. I mean, emphasis that a lot of people make that giant against the underdog. And it's even much more intriguing if you find out that this was a deliberate attempt to get back to football because they, until I think recently as 2005, they were not class to play in FIFA tournaments and mm. they've made a deliberate attempt to qualify and become a big team that will represent Africa. And it's, 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 if you go through your squad, I mean, the, Najim Abu has done a really remarkable job and their top 10 highest capped individuals are all coming to the African Cup of Nations. And some of them have been with the team since 2014 and slow by slow, short, slowly, grip by grip, they've, they've been able to knock out countries like Kenya out and they finally arrived at the big stage. And normally when you arrive at the big stage, everybody's looking at maybe the big stars like Sadio and all, but they don't have that. What they have is a team that is concreted in determination and represented a country that is very small, but so powerful in its commitment. It will be interesting to see, especially your first game, it's against here, um, uh, Emmerich Aubameyang's Gabon. And it, it should be a really good game because Gabon themselves are coming into this competition, haven't missed the previous one. So they want to make up for lost time. And it doesn't get better with the subplots that your captain, your superstar is coming into the competition with, because we all know that he hasn't played in Arsenal for the last three games and he's been he's had his captainship stripped by him. So this again is another opportunity for um Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to actually take over and then prove that he's still one of the best finishers in the world. And mm. the African Cup of Nations is the perfect platform. So if you go through Group C, there's a real good poise of individual subplots that eventually made the group a really intriguing and interesting one. And like... Uh, Abon, Robert, so, sorry, just, I want to add something about uh, that group. Um yeah. It's interesting to know that in 2017, when Gabon um, hosted uh, the tournament, they actually did not make it out of uh, the group stages. And mm. um, it, it, that's a tournament that their neighbors and arch rivals, um, Cameroon won. So it's a huge one. It's basically, um, let me contextualize this uh, properly. Um, it's like Togo winning the AFCON in Ghana or Botswana winning the African in South Africa. 
for the two of you. And for you, Ed, perhaps, I don't know, it's like Ireland. Um, yeah, 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 Scotland or, yeah. Yeah, that is a very interesting subplot. <laughs> and also the other thing to say about Gabon is there's a big, there's some big issues within the camp um, at the moment. I believe that there's some rails over bonuses. They haven't been playing the Mr. Friendly, I think, because of that. Um, and there's and obviously there's there's lots of issues back home as well with the sexual abuse investigations that have been that have been done by the Guardian. Um, so there's quite a lot quite a lot going on in in Gabon. So that yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they respond to it. But like you you mentioned, Abamyang, perhaps this is a good opportunity for him um, to remind everybody of, of his ability after you know what's happened at Arsenal. Um, so Ed, you know, I just wanted to touch on um, the story of Comoros. Because oh, sure. um, I've been very close to, clo- close to it um, from back in 2013, 2014, um, when, um, uh, when, when, when when the coach uh, Amir Abdul started um, with the team because they've been using the Kosafa Cup uh, to build the team. Mm. Um, and, you know, at some stage, they would get big scores. They would lose 5 nil, lose 4 nil. But they soldier on, you know. But one, one of the things that they've done, which uh, most of these so-called smaller uh, football nations did, was to was to come up with um, a, a, a system where they go for these players who were born in Europe, especially in the in the French league. And 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 the only issue that I I have if uh, here is that I, I would like to see consistency um, in terms of. Yes, you, t- you take these players coming um, from Europe, were born there, but then again, you must build the local structures so that you have uh, programs which are sustainable and are going to produce talent that is going to make it um, possible for you to qualify for future competitions. Because it's all good to just have a short-term vision. Um, you take these players, then they come and play for you. Because if, if, if you look at um, in these qualifiers, uh, you compare to what happened with Madagascar in the previous qualifiers, and you compare with the qualifiers, you can see that there's something that is missing, you know. Um, so I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just hoping that because you also don't want a situation where a team qualifies for the Afcon, then you will never see them again until they go and get some of these um, overseas-based players as well. But I think mm-hmm. in the case of Comoros, I've seen the vision of how they've used regional competitions like the Kosafa to build their squad. Uh, mix locally based players um, with um, also players who are, who, are com- who are coming from Europe. And also in his case, because he's doubling up, he's also coaching in Mauritania as well. And what he's done, because uh, maybe in terms of the league standard, the football in the Comoros is of lower um, standard. So he's taken some of the players to go play for his team uh, in Mauritania. And I think the experience that's needed we will see it um, in the tournament kicking off this weekend. Mm, that's really interesting, isn't it? Whether, whether they can sustain it in the future is really, you know, yeah. that's that's important. And it's good for the overall health of African football as well, isn't it? To have, you know, different countries. It is. Ed, can, let me just wrap up on there. And sure. I'm going to wrap up and then you'd, you'd, you'd move on. And I'm just wrapping up from where Vinayli just left down. Sure, go for it. And you see in Changama, one of, one of the 
midfielders I really love. He plays in France, I think in the second division. And he spoke about the need for consistency and holding on to what they've been able to do since 2014 to here. And he says that the team has something and it's not about him, you see, or any other, not even in Dharma, the coach. It's the spirit within the team in which they want to represent Africa. And so that is what they are going into the competition with in that. And then that's why for me, what they lack in experience in playing in a major tournament like the AFCOM, they replace that with the spirit and determination that has already brought them all this far. And for the two teams that I see going through, obviously Ghana has one of the slots based on the experience. We have a new Abedi Pele, he's called Fatal Isako. He plays in the Ghana Premier League. This is the first time we're going in a competition where we have a real superstar from our domestic league. So everybody in Africa or in Europe is now talking about Mohamed Kudus or the guy from Rennes. But we got Isako Fatawa and he's going to be a weapon that the whole Africa is not aware that Ghana has. And then the second slot for me, I'm putting my head up for Comoros because they've got just a remarkable story. And I think that the likes of Morocco and Gabon have too much going on in the background and that could hamper their progress. That's a big call, a big call. But there we go. You... That's, that's why we love the AFCON. Yeah, to have exactly. an, no, anything can happen. Fun. You're right, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Okay, so on to Group D then, Usha. This is a really... Well, there's two teams that you expect would go through and there's two teams that you expect might struggle. But as we just said, things are never that simple. Egypt, Nigeria, Sudan, Guinea, Bissau. Well, it's interesting you um, finish, you know, you wrap up uh, Group C with uh, saying anything can happen. We remember clearly how Madagascar defeated Nigeria um in 2019 in egypt and so yeah with that in mind that should that should prepare us you know for for this you know exciting group but honestly speaking looking at nigeria yes they don't have victor osimhen massive miss for the super egos um you know he was uh, the lead scorer in the qualifiers with five goals i think he could have you know added so much to um nigeria especially playing in cameroon uh but they also don't have emmanuel dennis because as you said earlier watford are literally being stubborn um no fair play there or you know sportsmanship but it's fine they have the firepower to deliver i think um samuel chukuze is a those you have obviously the usual names Igalo and uh, Hianacho up front. Um, Wilfred Ndindi, obviously, uh, you saw how he performed just the other day for Leicester um, when they defeated Liverpool. I think all that experience is going to come into play. And obviously, you know, Ahmed Musa um, brings in um, incredible experience for Nigeria. But then also um, their coach, you know, he handled the team in 2006, helped them to finish third place. Um, I think that, you know, his experience over the years uh, is going to come in handy and also we keep talking about subplots it's very very important um, to see how Nigeria will perform in Cameroon the two countries are neighbors um, they've always tried to prove a point and um, they've really had a good run every time they've played in Cameroon I think that um, that expertise really is going to come in handy um, in that group now talking about Egypt Mo Salah I remember a couple of weeks ago, we were arguing <laughs> online about, um, you know, for example, Mo Salah, at what point will he be 
um, awarded as the Ballon d'Or winner or the FIFA best player. This is it. This is the moment. This is the time for him to actually prove that he is the king of Egypt. Um, can he take that crown away from Mohamed Abutrika or um, Esam El Hadari? You know, that stands to be seen. Um, I think that he doesn't have the squad to achieve that. Yes, he will try his best and he's in good form right now. Uh, but I don't think that that's just enough um, to help you know, to help uh, the Pharaohs go very far. Do you think they've improved since last time? Because obviously last time they were really disappointing, weren't they? And they were at home and didn't get anywhere. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a big improvement. I think that uh, there were so many things happening behind the scenes. If you remember very well with uh, the player Amir Warda. I do, uh, yeah. Yeah, you remember the saga, you know, happening there. I don't think that did them any good favors. Um, they're a much better team. Obviously, you have a couple of players who play for Al Ahli. Um, Al Ahli have been doing well in the last two years. You know, winning the CAF Champions League and also the Super Cup, so they're in good form. Uh, but it's not really enough. Um, it's going to be a very tough um, tournament for them, and especially as we know that North African teams um, do not do well. Um, in the sub-Saharan Africa region when the AFCON is hosted there. In fact, Egypt are the only team to win um, outside of North Africa. So that's a very tough one for the Pharaohs, even though, honestly, I think Nigeria and Egypt should come out of this group. But, 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 very big but, um, Sudan. Sudan, <laughs> Sudan are also one of the founding members of, uh, you know, CAF and the AFCON. Uh, having played uh, that 1957 edition alongside um, Egypt and Ethiopia. Um, but a lot has changed, you know, since they won in 1970. Um, their teams have not been doing well on the continent. Um, that is El Marik and Al Hilal. Uh, they've been struggling. They've been struggling in the last five years, and that's not, you know, doing them good service. Um, but I still think that, uh, you know, they'll bring that derby-like feel, um, especially in the game against uh, Egypt. Um, as neighbors, they have so many scores to settle. And I think that really the standard was very low when they played at the FIFA Arab Cup just last month in Qatar. Um, and that there are so many things, obviously, that they need to work on. Uh, they've since fired their coach, uh, Hubert Veloud. Um, but I think that now, you know, there's a good vibe a little bit around the team. And uh, their coach, Burhan Tia, um, is one who has some experience. And going into really the group stages as uh, one of the underdogs in this group um, is something that helps them because no one really expects them to um, outdo themselves. So if they can just go and perhaps hold uh, maybe Nigeria or um, Egypt to a draw, they can you know fight with Guinea-Bissau in there. Uh, Guinea-Bissau themselves um, coming into this one really as the underdogs. I don't think um, that they'll cause any upset here. Um, with all due respect, to be honest. <laughs> hmm. But um, yeah, for me, that's it, really. Nigeria and Egypt should qualify very easily from this group. Comrade, I, I really feel that uh, that Guinea-Bissau is a banana skin, you know? <laughs> um, and and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm saying this fully understanding that um, in their past uh, um, qualifications, because I think also they've been present since uh, Gabon, um, and which is really where I commend um, Basira Kande because the team has always been there. But yes, I know that 
they are yet also to pick up a win at, at, at the AFCON. But I just feel that um, it's more especially where you, you have a situation where uh, Cameroon, in fact, um, uh, Egypt and Nigeria will cancel each other out. Mm. If, if, if one of these two teams, um, which which um, I, I'm not sure about Sudan because I think uh, a lot has happened um, in, in, in their camp leading to them uh, even changing coaches. But also now they've got a local coach, someone maybe who will be more in tune and fully understanding um, with the team, you know. But I really do feel that there's some banana skin between Sudan and Guinea-Bissau um, in, in, in this group. And uh, but also knowing and having worked and seen someone like uh, Carlos Quiroz, uh, obviously for us as South Africans, and uh, now we are aligning with some of our uh, <laughs> our guys who are working with different national teams. Uh, Roger Desai will be assisting uh, Carlos Quiroz uh, in, in this tournament with the Egyptian national team. I know that uh, he will be going with a full professional approach where um, he will he will make sure that every base is covered. Um, in terms of uh, securing the points. But I, I just hope that Nigeria will also have that mentality as well, because if not, um, they will not be as fortunate as it was when they lost to Madagascar, but still qualified to the next stage um, yeah. in, in, in Egypt. And Nigeria, interesting, obviously, because Gernot Raw is not there anymore. They, they made a big decision just a few weeks ago to get rid of him. Um, but the pool of players, as always, is is you know up there. So they should have a, they should have a good chance if they can pull themselves together. And then, which is another just, thing that why 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 is the new coach not taking the team uh, to the Afcon? Is he seeing that no look here uh, <laughs> there could be problems here? That I'm only joining the team now. Um, even in terms of preparation, I'm going to have challenges um, because players are arriving very late. So let the results of this tournament not be used as, you know, um, to, 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 because now remember, there's, there's also a bigger assignment according to them that they want to go to the World Cup in Qatar. So, so you, you can already see um, that the timing of taking decisions, especially with some of the nations that change coaches now um, this month. Well, or, or just I, I last want... month. Yeah. I want to quickly ask you something. When has common sense been common in the Nigerian camp ever? Like <laughs> in one exact moment um, when Nigeria have made a decision and you feel we're, we're doing the right thing. I feel like all the time, Nigeria is always shooting themselves in the foot, like literally all the time. Bad mm -hmm. decisions. Um, look at the Emmanuel Dennis uh, situation. Honestly speaking, yeah, how can no, you say that no. email was not sent? Like, I, are you serious right now? And yeah, this is the seriously. most player it's of the, Nigerian origin right now. Like, and, and, and the managerial situation does seem very strange. They've appointed Portuguese coach Jose Pizzello, who is with Venezuela, and he won't take charge until after the tournament. Uh, it's going to be Augustine Eguavan for uh, uh, in Cameroon. Sorry. And by the way, you know that he could actually, Nigeria could actually fail to qualify for the World Cup and then he'll be fired after two games. Or, 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 or,
of corn, and uh-huh. then what do you do? Do you suck it? And then what happens? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and then what now? <laughs> Let's move on to group E. And Valeli, this was you. And it looks quite, again, looks straightforward. But as we know, it never is. Algeria, Ivory Coast, Sierra Leone and Equatorial Guinea. Give us your thoughts on that. I know, I know I, it's me who's been warning everyone about banana skills. Um, and, and also maybe not having a straightforward, <laughs> a straightforward qualification process here. But I, I, just, mm. I just don't know how it could happen. Um, because you see that the tournament is different also to to, to the qualification uh, process because there's home and away in a tournament, but the tournament is a high pressure environment just once off uh, in, in, in one game. And when you when I look at the form of some of the players, um, and interestingly, I'm going to start with uh, Cote d'Ivoire here. And I've been very impressed. I don't know, maybe because he's playing for a team that I also support, uh, Frank Casey at AC Milan and the way he's been bossing the Serie A. Mm. Um, and for me, it's been one of the reasons that uh, that AC Milan team um, looks like serious title contenders um, this season. And and also, uh, and I think to see the commitment this time around, uh, because I think it was one of the first players uh, coming from your your team, Ed, uh, Wilfred Zara, mm. uh, Zaha, you know, um, when Zaha made sure that uh, he was committed that he's coming, um, to, to, to the Afghans. Now, that is the kind of uh, commitment that you want to see. And I watched uh, Cote d'Ivoire now playing in the World Cup qualifiers. They were playing against Malawi here at Orlando Stadium. And as much as they were playing away, okay, you could see that the, the stat was not good. But midway through that game, you could see the quality um, of, 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 of the guys. You could see their quality. And I remember Serge Aurora had just signed a new deal at the time uh, for Villarreal, and the experience uh, in, in 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 that in that camp, well, and as much as, and, and also especially, I mean, let's talk about the veteran that is uh, Max Gradel as well. Um, who continues to show his quality as well. Um, I mean, you look at a player like Ibrahim Salare as well. So, and another interesting point with them is that uh, when you look at their coach, uh, Patrice. Uh, Bimal, Patrice Bimal is exactly going in the similar steps uh, which were also taken by Hever Renard. Hever Renard came here as a fitness trainer or slash assistant to Claude Leroy um, with Ghana in 2008. And then a few years down the line, he's with Zimbabwe, with Zambia. They win the AFCON. And then he moves to, and who was his assistant? It was Patrice Bimal at the time. Then they move and win the AFCON again with um, Cote d'Ivoire in um, 2015, and he was still the assistant, Petrus Bimal. Unfortunately, they couldn't replicate that uh, with uh, Morocco um, two years ago in, 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 in Egypt. So now here he is also um, following on the footsteps of what uh, Haverinat had done uh, with uh, Claude Leroy, even though Claude Leroy didn't win the tournament um, back then. So it's going to be very interesting. Um, if he can go on and, and, and achieve that fit. I, mm. I still see them maybe as a, as a possible semi-final team, but I'm not sure about um, winning, win, winning the tournament. Mm. When it comes to Algeria, what more that has been said that we cannot say about this Algerian team? You know, um, in the process of getting to this 33-match unbeaten streak, 
there were games where you felt, especially in the games that they were playing against the Burkina Faso, because they were seriously tested by Burkina Faso. But you could see the quality uh, of this team. And I think it's the, uh, also the Kalmaberi that has been there, uh, a team that has been together for, for this very long time. And we saw the team growing together, especially in the last tournament. Mind you, they didn't have an easy, easy qualification uh, mm. going to Egypt because at some stage they also lost. In fact, their last loss uh, in 2018 um, to, 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 to Benin. So, I mean, when you look at this team, you, yes, you know that uh, he's coming to the tournament, uh, Riyad Mahrez, the captain, um, an explosive form from, from Man City. Um, but also, there's these good young players. Uh, he was young uh, two years ago. because I think he was 24 at the, 22 at the time, uh, Ishmael uh, Benessa. But he's grown now. Um, and is a vital cog in that uh, AC Milan team as well. Um, and, 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 and for me, this is also a project, this Algerian team that has been there for a very long time. There's a coach that I really respect a lot. Um, and when you look at his qualities, uh, Hali Hozovic, uh, you know, uh, is coaching Morocco now. And this is the team that he took to uh, to Brazil in 2014. And some of the players that he had there, the likes of uh, Slimani, um, when in, uh, the likes of uh, Mbohi uh, as well, um, the, the goalkeeper, the, those are the players who were there. But I think uh, one of the players I'm really looking forward to, to watching in, in this tournament is uh, Youssef Bilali. Uh, previously was with Esperance, actually, if I remember myself really well. Yeah. Um, and yeah. he, he, he really had a good showing. With the with other two teams. Sierra Leone yeah. back for the first time yeah. in quite a while. Yeah, and, and you know you know how dodgy that was, that qualification, because the way everything happened, <laughs> at some stage we thought, uh, <laughs> we thought Benin would just, you know, but it's, it's good to see them, because, I mean, you know, I was checking the last time they qualified to the AFCON, Mohamed um, uh, Kalun was still playing, and it was here in South Africa, you know, in 1996. That was a long time ago. But for me, what delights me um, with these um, countries like Sierra Leone and Equatorial Guinea, they are bringing young local coaches um, who've qualified the teams. You know, they've, they've qualified those teams. In the case of uh, Juan Mecha, um, when it comes to Equatorial Guinea, you look at this is a guy who's worked. He's worked with uh, the women's national teams from the senior national team. You know, they are two-time African champions. He's worked with all the junior national teams as well. And now, and and when you look at it, even in the in the World Cup qualifiers, they had a great run uh, in the World Cup qualifiers, only losing to uh, Tunisia there. And some similar story as well to join Kester. Um, with the, with the Sierra Leone, and this is the kind of experience um, that coming to a, a big tournament like the Afcon, um, you'll never know. They can come and cause surprises, but also they are coming to the tournament as young coaches to make their mark. So that leaves Group F, and Raman, it's over to you. It's Tunisia, Mali, Gambia, and Mauritania. What do you think about those four? Well. It's two eagles, and then a Morabiton, and then the scorpion. Interestingly, there's a lot of back subplots also to this group. Gambia, it's also coming to this tournament for the first time ever in their history. And Gambia come to using a similar footprint 
like what Comoros have done, using a mixture of young team, study progress, and an experienced coach who's been around everywhere in Africa, mixing it together and bringing them to the Holy Grail. A team devoid of big names, big stars, but a team with a lot of will and a lot of pride from a small nation, I think. And again, you guys can correct me here if I'm wrong, that Gambia is the smallest country in mainland Africa. So it's small in size and population, but they finally worked a way to being big and coming big in the world of football. They are ranked 150 in the world and they come into this competition and they again they snatched up the positions of the places of some people like Vilele, Rembo Nation or the big cranes. Gambia are not that big, but they are scorpions. So you know what happens when a scorpion actually bites you. It will be interesting to see where their journey goes from in this particular group because there's some really, really big names in there. And the next thing I want to touch before I move is that I'm sure you'd know that I think the Gambia won the under 20 um, Africa Cup of Nations. So most of their team also have just graduated from that under 20 team and made the main team that will play in the Afcon. Now, what really excites me about this group, and I'm so happy God has made it possible for me to see, I've always wanted to watch Yefs Bisoma in the Mali shed. For me, and I mean, Ed, you cover the Premier League, and you would not like because he plays for Brighton. But for me, he's the best midfielder behind N'Golo Kante. I saw him yeah, play I, a few days ago. I agree, ago. he's fantastic. I, oh, I, 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 I put club, uh, club uh, you know, alignments to one side when it comes Bis to African Bis football. You know Bis that. Bisoma is an absolute double-decker engine. And he, listen, Chelsea had the midfield of the likes of Kovacic. And even in the second half, they brought in Kante. And they couldn't touch him. His thinking, his imagination, and his ability to hold on the ball in the eyes of pressure is amazing. And there's no doubt that at the moment, he's the most talked about midfielder being linked to the likes of Liverpool, even to Chelsea and all that. And he hasn't played for Mali in like three years because he had problems with the association. And he's just made a decision to go and play for them now at the AFCON. So I'm, it's one of the reasons I've I'm pushing so hard to go down in Cameroon because I want to see where Mali will get into this 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 particular season. And a, a lot of people won't see this, but at the back of everything, Mali are having a really, really good team going into this, this competition. If you want another big name, Musa Jinapo of Southampton, it's also going back there. Pacey, Trikri, and a lot of goals to go through. And Mali have qualified to the final stage of the African FIFA World Cup qualifiers. And they've got this striker that a lot is not being said about him i think he's scoring a lot of goals and i think he scored five goals in uh in the last six game ibrahim corner is that how his name is pronounced usha he was yeah. really pivotal pivotal for them in the world cup qualifiers he's coming into this afcon on a lot of fire maybe not like sadie or mo but he's so good and the mali of old were this way when the likes of Diara and Kanuti were there. They had a strong core of a midfield that then drove them on to do very well. And they've won the Afghan Cup. No, they haven't won it before, but they were runner-ups. But whenever mm. they're in form, they're such a brilliant side yeah. to they're watch. An interesting, in they're an interesting country, aren't they? They really produce a lot of young players. Um, yeah. Who went in the youth tournament. And then, off, you know, it, and they've done relatively well in senior teams, but 
not you know perhaps not lived up to their you know they were their youth results anyway and i'm a big fan of amadou Hidara as well we've been around for a little bit um at rb at rb leipzig uh, yeah i think that they, yeah. they, could, they could shock a few people uh, along with tunisia who are pretty good as well Finally, um, they're the only team on the African continent, and actually I can claim in the world, that are yet to concede a goal in the World Cup qualifiers. Yeah. Um, so mm. they have very strong defence right there. Um, they have good coordination. They, they have good camaraderie as a team. Um, and obviously, as you can imagine, uh, they played against three East African teams. Um, not the strongest of oppositions, really, but none of those teams over two legs managed to score against uh, Mali. So I think that's a team to watch out for. They are going to be the dark horses of the tournament and um, they're playing in familiar um, territory. They have a very young squad and, you know, uh, largely players who have um, experience playing in Europe and most importantly, gentlemen, their allowances have been cleared before the tournament. Yeah, so, yeah. No problems. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and, and talking, about, I'm talking about allowances, which is kind of really a big issue when it comes to major tournaments in Africa, it's not just clearing their allowances. Now, remember they won the under-17 African Championships, and most of this team, there are players in there who've come in from the under-17, and the silver medalist team in the, youth, uh, in the FIFA under-17 World Cup team. And all of the allowances from that level has been cleared. So for the first time in a very long time, they go into a major competition on a clean slate, no backroom problems, no money issues. They just need to go. And like Usha mentioned, they are playing in very familiar territory in Cameroon. And that could be an added incentive to them to go on and do very well. And again, their coach, I think their coach is one of the longest serving coaches on the continent. He's been there since 2017. Normally in an industry where we change a lot of coaches all the time, to have a coach be there for that long time in a football crazy nation like Mali, it's it's such a big plus to have at the moment. So yeah, they're one of the teams I'm tipping for that group. And again, um, Tunisia, I don't know what to make of them because they knocked Ghana out in the in the last stage I should say but I don't know if they've got enough to go through in this particular case the results haven't been it hasn't been that much and I haven't seen a lot of them this particular time but I think that they've got pedigree they are such a really strong African Cup of Nation team. They know how to play a major tournament in this one. And they've got a few veterans coming in also for this particular one. And so it should be it should be a really, really good competition to have. Well, I'll tell you what about Tunisia. You have to be careful with Tunisia. Um, they reached the final of um, the FIFA um, Arab Cup. They just lost to um, Algeria. And that game had to go all the way to extra time. Um, so it's, it's a very tough one um, for, for Tunisia. They're a good team. They have at least some of that experience that, um, uh, that they got from the FIFA Arab Cup. And that is something else that, you know, we can consider going into these tournaments. The teams, especially the North African teams that played in the FIFA Arab Cup, basically had a whole tournament to work out some of the things. Obviously, they didn't have perhaps maybe half of their squads that they're going to use at the AFCON uh, because they didn't have European best players. Uh, but that sort of, you know, gives them the options to see who do we want in, who do we want out. And um, I think it's going to be massive for Tunisia. 
team that can actually crash um, into the semi-final. Yeah, yeah. And, for me, and for me, this is where I seriously had a problem politically um, with um, the football leaders coming from North Africa that um, they appeared to be part um, of leading the gang that was leading the revolt of uh, the cancellation or the postponement of the tournament. Um, because they were comfortable that they were playing for, they were playing in the Arab Cup, and they had the experience and everything. And now maybe this was seen as a, an Afcon that is going to benefit or be held in the sub-Saharan African region, you know. And 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 I'm glad. And you know, the the way that Morocco uh, is going about uh, closing itself uh, out, you could see that. They, they made last-minute preparations, you know, and because they were so sure that this AFCON was not going to take place. And maybe we can say the same about um, uh, Amash Dupinik as well uh, uh, with Nigeria. You know, the way the Nigerian preparations are so in disarray mm. uh, from the way they handled the coaching situation, the collapse situation as well, you could see that the rot was, starting, was coming from the top. Um, so, 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 so for me, yes, it's a good thing um, that these teams had a good preparation uh, in the Arab Cup, and and but for me, I think it's also a good thing that the tournament is going ahead because hmm. um, the, the the countries from the Maghreb region, you get the feeling that uh, to them or to some of them, uh, I should say, it was a foregone conclusion that this tournament is not going to take place. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, um, we reasonable leaders, yeah. As you said, and you know they're they're up against it historically anyway. You know, competing in sub-Saharan Africa, it not, I think you're right. Only Egypt have won it. So if Algeria are gonna, you know, live up to their favourites tag, they're gonna really have to fight against history, I suppose. But guys, thank you so much. It's been amazing. Ed, just before you wrap up, okay, Mauritania. Yeah. Oh yes, sorry, we we shouldn't forget Mauritania. We haven't made the one country we haven't mentioned. Only for the second time. The first time they made it was back in Egypt when you and I were there. Yeah. They're going back again in Cameroon. And again, it's a team that it's young, relatively young team when it comes to the AFCON. But they didn't make it out of the group in Egypt. So if they can take one step out of the group, it will be seen as progress because qualifying twice on the spin already is progress. But this time, the idea will be to make it to the knockout stages. And there's a very good opportunity to make it out there. Not just the top two teams, but the third qualifying team. That's where they could sneak in. And like we've said all around through this podcast, sometimes the cancellation will be done when the two big teams met. And so what countries like Mauritania need to do is just not to lose heavily. They are ranked 103rd in the world, but don't let that deceive you. Very good side. Mm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's fascinating all the all these countries where you you know you don't get to see them play very often, and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they how they all get on uh, in Cameroon. And so, thank you to both of you, Vileli and Susha. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, and uh, yeah, can't wait for Afcon to start now. Yes, Lovely. Thank you for having me. And as a fun fact, before you go out, um, the last two editions of the AFCON have been won by the 12th ranked team on the African uh, uh, rankings, basically on the FIFA um, slots. So this time right. it's DR Congo who didn't qualify. Uh, let's see. Did you see. say DR Congo? 
Yes, they are the 12th ranked African team on the FIFA qualifier. Oh, right. So that can't so, happen this time. <laughs> so yeah, it can't happen. Not, they yeah. Maybe Ghana, who are the eighth, could win it. You never know. No, we are. They must make the, the semis first. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. No, we we will. Given given the fact that South Africa will beat them on the pitch and will beat them in the FIFA, wherever they went in there. And Uganda can't even qualify these days. So well, it's walking the path. Guys, 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 At least I'm we've got one country. Can, can, can I make a prediction? Ghana will be out <laughs> in the second round. They'll not even make the last eight. <laughs> Bilele, I love you. I, I really do. Yeah, I really do. Thanks so much to Ashun Bileli for that. I hope you all enjoyed our AFCON preview. It's going to be a brilliant tournament and I can't wait for it to get started now. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to catch up with all that's been happening. But in the meantime, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.